Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Brian Zumhagen. It's Monday, June 4th, and it's time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, is David Sanger, Chief Washington Correspondent for The New York Times. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. David, you revealed in The Times on Friday and in your book Confront and Conceal that for five years now the United States has been running a covert program against Iran's nuclear program. It's called Olympic Games. What is it? Olympic Games, Brian, is an effort by the United States and Israel to get inside the computer controllers that run the large centrifuge operation at Natanz. This is where Iran has been enriching uranium, which the United States fears could be used for a nuclear weapon. It's a very ingenious program, Brian, but the way it worked, in essence, was that the United States designed a computer beacon, which went into the computer systems and basically created a blueprint of how the Natanz uh, plant is wired, and then sent in a worm based on that blueprint that was supposed to speed up or slow down the, uh, the centrifuges so quickly that they would destroy themselves. Now, the Iranians wall off their nuclear complex so that it's disconnected from the Internet. So how did the U.S. and Israel get the computer worm into that facility? That's still a little bit of a mystery, but it looks like they had to have it walked in, either by witting or unwitting uh, nuclear engineers who were working at the plant. They know who a good number of those engineers are. Some of them are listed on uh, United Nations uh, sanctions lists. Uh, And uh, the, the most common way to do this is to have it come into the plant usually on a on a USB, you know, a flash drive or on a laptop computer or something else that will get past what's called the air gap, that separation between the computer system inside Natanz and the outside world, including the Internet. So everyone's been trying to figure out whether Israel will attack Iran's nuclear facilities. Did the cyber attacks accomplish what a military strike could not? Well, there is some evidence to indicate uh, that the cyber attacks may have set the Iranian program back by 18 months, maybe two years. Now, the Iranians did recover. But when you go and look at the estimates of what a bombing raid would do, it's about the same, Brian. It's about a year and a half, two years. The Israelis sometimes say that it would set them back by three years. The difference is that when there's a bombing raid, a, a country knows exactly how and where it's been hit and feels the need to retaliate. In the case of a cyber attack, it's much longer to figure out what's happened, and retaliation may or may not ever come. But it does raise the interesting question that if Olympic Games is pretty well spent, in other words, since the Iranians have known for two years now that they were hit by a a computer worm, uh, whether that means it's going to be that much harder to do again in the future, And uh, the Israelis argue that it may still be possible that they may need to take military action. The United States has been trying to forestall that. David, there's been a lot of speculation from conservatives that the White House is leaking information about the president's role in drone strikes and cyber attacks in an effort to bolster his image as a strong commander-in-chief in this election year. Are they right? You know, Brian, uh, I'm sure that there are some political types in the White House who are very happy to see uh, stories that portray the president as sitting down in the situation room, putting together the elements of what they call the light footprint. In other words, uh, attacks that you can do from afar by drone or cyber or some other means that don't require putting large number of troops in or, uh, or occupying a country the way we did in Iraq or Afghanistan. All I can tell you is that in my uh, experience uh, working on Confront and Conceal, uh, the book from which uh, the story uh, was excerpted uh, in the Times, uh, 
I didn't find that was the case, that the reporting had to be done out around the world. The story had to be built up uh, from the bottom up. Uh, so, uh, you know, you hear a lot of things. It's usually not reflective of how actual reporting is done. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, Brian. That's New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent David Sanger. I'm Brian Zumhagen, and that's The Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM WQXR.